Welcome to this episode of Mentors at Your Benchside, the podcast giving you advice, tips and tools for getting the most out of your research. I'm Laura Grassi and today I'll be talking to you about how buffers work. Are you tired of your experiments failing for no apparent reason? Have your solutions stopped working after just a few weeks? Sounds like you could have a buffer problem. Whether you're pulling your hair out and suspect your buffer is the issue, or whether you just need to be able to competently answer how do buffers work before your next meeting, we've got your back. Here's a short, sharp lesson on buffers, how they work, and how to pick the right one for you. So what is a buffer? A buffer is a solution containing acid and an apportionate amount of conjugate base, capable of maintaining a stable pH when a small amount of additional acid or base is added to it. It's a simple definition, but the underlying chemistry is a little bit complicated, and we'll explain that shortly. But firstly, a refresher on acids and bases. Remember that acids donate protons and bases accept protons. The stronger the acid, the more readily it will dissociate into protons and anions. The stronger base dissociate readily into cations and proton acceptors. The strength of an acid or base is measured by its dissociation constant or pKa. The lower the pKa, the more acidic or basic the molecule. So how do buffers work? Let's illustrate this by using the dissociation of water to show how compounds can produce acidic or basic products in solution. Water dissociates into hydroxyl anions, OH negative, and protons, H positive. OH negative is a strong base and H positive is a strong acid, the strongest in fact, being a proton. The sort of pseudo-buffering action occurs here because water dissociates into an acid and a base, and these balance each other out perfectly to maintain pH 7 because both of these products came from the same parent water molecule. In practical terms, however, water is an extremely poor buffer, because it can't evolve more H plus than HO negative, because both evolve from the same reactant at a one-to-one stoichiometric ratio. Remember, a buffer has to be able to compensate for small changes in pH. This is something water alone cannot do, so it's not a buffer at all, in fact but we can achieve a buffering effect using many different chemicals adjusted to a specific pH with a suitable conjugate acid or base. You will have heard of the common examples used in your lab. Tris, acetic acid, citric acid, sodium phosphate, and heaps are some of the more common ones. Acidic buffers are usually pH adjusted with their corresponding sodium salt as the conjugate base, and basic buffers are usually pH adjusted with HCl, although there are deviations from this generality. And it is the mixture of acid and base with its conjugate partner that enables perturbations in pH to be compensated for. This is because when a pH changing chemical is added, the buffer acid can dissociate into the base and the buffer base can dissociate into the acid. Why are buffers important for your experiments though? A buffer provides a stable chemical environment for your experiments and reactions to take place in. Once again, let's use an example to illustrate the importance of buffers and elaborate on the point above. Suppose you are culturing bacteria in a rich media that can support the growth of a lot of cells. The cells will secrete various chemicals as they grow, live and die. This is just part of their metabolism and life cycle. A lot of cells will secrete a lot of chemicals. Some of these chemicals will be acidic and some of these chemicals will be basic. Therefore, they will change the pH of the growth medium unless there is a buffer present to maintain it. Otherwise, the pH change will be detrimental to cell growth at some point. That is to say, the cells will die when the pH becomes too low or too high. Not good. Bonus points for the observant readers. Rich cell growth media such as terrific broth are buffered using sodium phosphate. It's not just growth media though. Mobile phases in analytical chemistry, gel loading, enzymacy and protein crystallization solutions 
all contain compatible buffers to maintain their pH. Buffers and solution longevity. There are passive effects that buffers mitigate too. For example, chemicals in your solutions will degrade over time, producing products that alter their pH. And atmospheric CO2 dissolves in water to generate carbonic acid, making your solutions more acidic over time. And there's always that pesky floaty life that starts to grow in old buffers. They will also change the pH of a solution. Buffers and species protonation. A lot of chemicals we are interested in as biologists have different protonation states, and those protonation states can be critical for our experimental design and outcomes. Take lysine, for example. It has three functional groups that it can donate protons from, depending on the pH of the solution. Number one, the carboxyl proton. Two, the ammonium proton. And three, the side chain proton, also ammonium for lysine. The carboxyl group is acidic by definition, and a solution with a pH greater than 2.2 will deprotonate it. The side chain ammonium group is basic, however. To deprotonate it, we need a solution with a pH greater than 10.5. That is a moderately basic solution. Depending on our experimental aims, we might want our lysine analyte to be fully protonated, deprotonated, or somewhere in between. We can achieve the desired protonation state by using a buffer. Lysine is a crude example, but STS PAGE and ion exchange chromatography are two techniques in which control over species protonation is crucial to success. Protein crystallization is another. Check out figure one in the original article to see the same point illustrated with the conjugate acids of buffers, sodium phosphate and sodium citrate. Both acids in this figure are triprotic and can donate three protons. With every proton that is removed, the remaining protons are bound more tightly to the acid molecule. To remove the third proton, phosphoric acid, a chemical with a pKa greater than 12.4, a base, would be required. Mixing mono, di, and tribasic forms of these chemicals together in specific ratios allows us to tailor the pH of the buffer solution. Buffers in biology and biological buffers. Biological systems have peak activity in a very narrow pH range, at a pH of about 7 most of the time. This is simply because most life on Earth is water-based, and water has a pH of 7. For example, egg whites and seawater have a pH of around 8, blood, sweat and tears are closer to 7.3, and milk is about 7. Gastric juices, however, are heavy in HCl and have a pH of just below 2. So it's no coincidence that most biological acids and bases are weak. But even a pH that is only slightly lower and higher than 7 can impact your experiment. Remember that pH and buffer strength are calculated on a logarithmic scale. So choosing a buffer of appropriate acidity or basicity is critical. But how do you choose an appropriate buffer? So you're convinced. Now you're going to buffer everything. But how do you select an appropriate buffer? And once you've chosen a buffer, how much should you add to your experiment? Oh, and by appropriate, I mean a buffer that can maintain a pH range that approximately matches your experiment's intended pH. And as an aside, did I mention that buffers have pH ranges? Well, they do. Some have broad ranges and can operate over several pH units, and some have narrow ranges. You'll know when you've exceeded the range of a given buffer because adding extra acid or base will drastically change the pH, the opposite of what a buffer should do. Anyway, to deduce these two things, you need to know the negative log of your buffer's dissociation constant, pKa. Usually you can look this up on the internet, and usually you'll have no other choice but to look it up in fact, but you can calculate it if need be. See the original article for the formula. To pick an appropriate buffer, select one with a pKa that closely matches the desired pH of your experiments. 
Simple. And to calculate how much buffer to add to your experiment or how much acid or base to add to your buffer to achieve the desired pH, I'll keep things really simple. You could get all fancy and rearrange the equation in the original article for the desired term. Then you could go to the lab, start faffing around, adding minute amounts of powder and liquid to your experiment. Or you could dissolve a high concentration of your chosen buffer in water, titrate in conjugate acid or base until you achieve your desired pH, autoclave and store it, and add this stock solution into your experiments to a sensible concentration. Simple. Considerations for choosing an appropriate buffer. We've just explained the nitty-gritty of choosing an appropriate buffer, but there are other factors to consider. Let's group these with what we've learned already. Choose a buffer with a pKa that matches the pH of your intended experiment. Choose a buffer that doesn't react with your analytes. Choose a buffer that is compatible with your instrumentation. And be aware that changing the temperature of the buffer changes the pH. Also be aware that neutralizing HCl with NaOH produces extra NaCl. And to help you a bit further, see the original article for a table with a selection of goods buffers and their corresponding pKa's. And that's the answer to how do buffers work, along with a load of extra information that you'll hopefully find useful in the lab. Check out the episode description for links to related articles and resources. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to get more help and advice from mentors at your bedside. Are you always on the go, but still seeking valuable insights to advance your research? Well, look no further than Listen In, the podcast from Bite Size Bio that offers the benefits of webinars in a portable format. With webinars featuring leading researchers and commercial specialists discussing techniques like CRISPR-Cas9 and microscopy. With Listen In, you can tap into their expertise and drive your research project forward efficiently and productively, no matter where you are. Visit bitesizebio.com forward slash podcasts or search for Listen In in your podcast app to subscribe.